0: Hoping to record the night ambience at several locations, we walked the trail quite aware of the tapestry of sounds around us. Along the way, we also picked up the unmistakable marking scent of a nearby jaguar. We never saw or heard the animal, but we knew it was close, perhaps even just a few feet away. It was frequently scent-marking as it followed us. The musky feline odor was a constant presence. Our senses were heightened, but neither of us was afraid or perceived any immediate danger. Sitting quietly about 50 meters apart, we recorded the acoustic texture of the nighttime rainforest, the delicate admixture of raindrops on leaves and insects, birds, frogs, and mammals, performing their unified chorus as they have each day and the night since the beginning. After about an hour, we packed our gear and hiked deeper into the forest, listening for recording sites with more varied combinations. Then, around midnight, we decided to split up in order to gather the even greater variety of night sounds we hoped to encounter in this wonderfully rich environment. Ruth went down the path in one direction, and I went off in another. After trekking for about fifteen minutes, I sat down beside the trail and began to record the intense tropical choruses of frogs, insects, and reptiles. Only then did I hear the cat's low growl in my headphones. It must have singled me out and followed me. Because I had the headphone's volume turned up to catch the fragile acoustic composition and detail of the forest, I wasn't attuned to my unlikely visitor or aware that it had come that close. The sudden register of the Jaguar's growls in my headset indicated that the calf was not more than an arm's length from the mics I had set up about 30 feet down the trail. Fully alert in an instant, a rush of adrenaline catching me off guard, I felt my chest convulse. Trying to think of an exit strategy, there was none. I made some effort to calm down. In the moment, I thought the sound of my heart was so audible it would startle the animal, but I kept absolutely still, holding my breath in the darkness. The incident lasted no more than a minute, but it seemed like a couple of hours as I sat mesmerized by the power of the animal's voice, its breathing, and the sounds of rumbles in its stomach. Then, as suddenly as it appeared, the jaguar moved silently off into the forest, leaving behind rhythmic waves of frog and whirring insect choruses, and what remained, Of my pounding heart. It was by happy accident that I was drawn to natural sound. My first career was as a studio guitarist, playing sessions of all kinds in Boston and New York. Then, in the mid-1960s, when musicians began experimenting with synthesizers, I moved to California to audit electronic music sessions at Mills College where I met Paul Beaver, a Los Angeles studio musician and concert pipe organist, who had made a career out of creating weird sound effects for feature films such as Creature from the Black Lagoon and War of the Worlds. The wondrous-sounding tools of Paul's special trade were early synthesizer-like instruments, such as the owned Martineau, the Hammond Novichord, and the Theremin, which produced an eerie, wavering, soprano-like voice, and his own inventions, including an archetypal two-octave keyboard synthesizer that generated high-pitched sci-fi effects. He called it the Canary. We immediately found creative synergy and formed the duo Beaver and Krauss, and together introduced the synthesizer to pop music and film in California and the United Kingdom, produced five albums of our own, and performed music and effects for many features, including Rosemary's Baby Apocalypse Now.